A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times and Tony Evans of the Evening Standard. Once upon a time, you didn't need a plastic flag to support Manchester City. Their fans were brilliant, far better than the football. Now money is no object. City represent a nation state. But the football, that's something else. They've been fantastic to watch, and to state the obvious, they're worthy champions. Start of an era? Very much so. Um, it's hard to see, that they're so far ahead of the others, it's hard to see that ground being caught up in, in, in one season. They're a young team, of course. Um, they've got infinite money to spend, and, and Guardiola's already plotting the next stage in the team's evolution. I think going out of the Champions League to Liverpool will actually hasten his, his desire to, to spend and probably uh, mean there's going to be even more bigger rivals in the summer. Um, and he looks, he, looks, he looks quite happy at the moment. I mean, I've spoken to people who covered him in Spain, and they, they say that he's much more relaxed than he was towards the end at Barcelona. So I think the, big, the, the, the doubt about whether there'd be a Guardiola era was always whether he'd actually stay himself. It looks like he might sign that new contract, stay in. And if he does, uh, this is, this is going to be a really difficult task for anyone to catch him up. Mm. What about... Pep's influence, Tony. Um, perhaps on young English coaches, will we see disciples emerge? Yeah, undoubtedly, because that's the way football works, isn't it? You know, it's a monkey see, monkey do, and everyone follows the path until someone comes along and goes, hang on, this is how we'll counter it. So we'll also see someone coming up with a counter plan in the next you know, 12 months, 24 months to, to neutralise Pep and his disciples. But yeah, I mean, and there are there are clear weaknesses in, despite how good City are, there are clear weaknesses in his game and the way he sets his team up. So I think we'll see people catching them that way. But the one thing... Can you be specific, Tony, on those weaknesses? What do you think? Uh, well, um, the, the when the defence isn't good enough, the um, when you press the defenders when they're on the ball, this obsession with playing the ball out to the back from the back when sometimes the best thing you could do is get it forward to some of those like like they did against Tottenham get forward quickly mm. and get the runners in behind the defence but the, the times they want to play the ball up from the back and Liverpool did it really well and pressed them and made sure uh, the defenders weren't comfortable on the ball and they, they tend to give give the ball away in um, their own at the edge of their own thirds of the fields in an almost Arsenal-esque style <laughs> you know they, they, they do that so, mm. but you've got to be a good team to catch them and you've got to have a very good set of presses so uh, so they do that and his, his obsession with playing with only one dedicated midfielder um, and sort of essentially 
four or five forwards will be, be a problem for them when they come up against teams with a better shape and structure and nearly as much money to spend in Europe. Um, they got knocked out by Liverpool, which is in a very Premier League uh, style of match, two matches. But I, I suspect that had they come up against Bayern, for example, they might have found things almost as difficult. Mm. I think Tony's right about the weaknesses, but I think the, the, the worry for the rest of the Premier League is I, I think Guardiola knows them too. I'm not yeah. sure he is, is entirely happy with his defence and I think he's looking at, the, at defenders and also he wants to, to bring in another defensive midfielder because mm. Fernandinho, is, he's really good, but I don't, I'm not sure if he's absolutely top class and he's mm. certainly knackered because, as Tony mm. said, he, he carries a huge burden every game. So there are weaknesses, but what happens if they, they correct them or at least sort of mm. you know, mitigate them a little bit in the transfer market? And the other thing is the, what they've set up there with the Etihad campus mm. and their academy is way ahead of the, the major rivals. The thing about the academy, though, you look at it at the moment and you can't see it really producing until maybe after Guardiola's gone. You know, you look at, mm. you know, there's a lad called Tommy Doyle, who's, who's a sort of prototype Steve Gerrard figure. I think he's 15. Mm. But they're the ones that you're looking at, aren't you? Yeah. I You've mean, got Foden, obviously. Mm. I, 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 so from what I understand, the way, the way Guardiola works is very much repetition oriented in, in training. It's, it's drilling patterns of play, it's rehearsing moves a lot. Mm. Which is the essence of the Barcelona. Which is the essence of the Barcelona. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so those kids at the academy, maybe not the ones that are 17 now, but the ones that are maybe 14, 15, if they get three or four years of being drilled in this style of play, they could actually be the ones that are starting to come into the team and not, not the transfer market. Because from a Guardiola point of view, knowing the routines, knowing the, the style is actually more important than the name, the name on the shirt. I think mm. he's shown that by let's you know signing Edison for example as a goalkeeper it was a big risk but he was right for the style of play so give him a couple of years if he can breed some some players who are like the La Masia players from Barcelona schooled in that system mm. I think you will see them yeah through. a lot of names being thrown around aren't they at the moment you know Sahar, uh, Delight, um, uh, Thiago from Bayern Munich there's going to be significant arrivals aren't there, isn't there oh yeah they'll probably spend in excess of 200 million again this summer and, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and people can't match that, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and they'll be stronger next year. It's up to, basically, it's up to the creativity of the coaches and the rest of the division to come up with a way and neutralise them. Because the thing is, you know what Pep teams are going to do. Mm. You know how they're going to play. You know that, again, another weakness. They often try to, they, they didn't do it against Tottenham, but they often try to play a high line mm. and compress the, uh, the the fields inside the opposition's half so they can, they, they can use their pressing men to, to uh, win the ball back high up the pitch. Mm. But that leaves them vulnerable to the ball over the top. And as, I think as we said, these weaknesses are also strengths because they play the high line so that they can press the opposition. Yeah. You know, they play out from the back so that they can have the, a, a total passing game and not just a sort of seven or eight man passing game. Mm. So they are strengths as well, which is why Guardiola is not going to change them. Mm. Mm. I suppose we can, we've now got a measure of perspective because they won the title. We've always been waiting mm. for it. Let's compare and contrast this current City team with what they are now, not what they could be, but what they are now with... You know, the great teams that we associate from the Premier League era, you know, Arsenal's Invincibles, the United treble team probably. Where do they stand in that sort of pecking order? Well, I think they, it's a worthy question, first of, first of all, to, to, to compare them to these teams. I don't think they're quite up there at the top of the pile yet. And I think the, 
I thought that before they lost to Liverpool, and I certainly think that now because I think what what you look at, particularly the Man United '99 team, who only got 78 points, which City probably passed in in December or something <laughs> like that. Um, but what they did was they, they 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 beat incredibly talented rivals. They beat great teams to win the Champions League, and they beat great teams or a great team at home to win you know, two domestic trophies. And they won when it counted. Uh, they won under extreme pressure uh, in all sorts of circumstances. Now, for me, that counts for more than the points total, and they played fabulous football as well. So I think I think it is to an extent, it's not always about, everything's not all winning, but it's mostly about winning for me. Mm. Um, so I think they are at the top of the, the pile, and I think it's also hard to say that City are better yet than the Invincibles. Well, it, it's interesting about the Invincibles because the Invincibles, everyone looks at them as the, you know, the peak of the Wenger mm. era, but, it was about to change. Yeah, people they, they had, fell off a cliff. Yeah, people had realised what Wenger did, and and it was, they were about to counter it. Mourinho and Benitez mm. were about to land in you know this country, and they they were they, they'd worked out how to play Arsenal to neutralise the strengths. Mm. And often when you think teams are you know how can how is anyone going to match them, the, mm. you know you you actually in the midst of transition, and we may see that with City. I think they're um, they're pretty good sides. Certainly, uh, I think a couple of United sides from the nineties would have beaten them. Um, the ninety nine team yeah. and that Nin great um, ninety four, yeah, yeah, the team that had flub forwards, yeah. you know, yeah. It, um, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. sharp and and all that. Mm. I think Liverpool of uh, eighty seven, eighty eight mm. probably would have beat them. I think Forest. Forrest would have ground them down and would have would have exploited them on the break. And I think Liverpool's 78-79 team mm. would have beaten the crud out of them. Um, <laughs> even even as the rules are now, because they, they were quite canny as well. So I think I think they're you know what? People go, oh, you're talking them down. They're in top-notch company. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, these exactly. teams yeah. when when you say oh Everton as well, Everton yeah. um uh, 85. Yeah, yeah. But do they do they need to win the Champions League? You know, I was in Barcelona around the time of their exit yeah. and there was major league grief, yeah. massive in, inquest into that defeat in Rome. Whether we like it or not, City weren't good enough against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, is still the Champions League the defining achievement? Well, yes. I mean, if, they, if you win the Champions League but don't win the Premier League, then you, know, it's, you have to win them both, I think, to really be in, in, in the elitist company. And it's it, it, it of course it's fair enough. I think it's a, it's important for Guardiola as well to win the Champions League outside of Barcelona without Messi, and and the way he went out in the quarterfinal stage to Liverpool was actually similar to the way he went out twice with with Bayern. So I think he needs it, and I think City need it um, because it is it is the hardest competition. Well. Leagues are hard to win, but it is the hardest competition. Well, he, to win. Was, he was brought in to win it. I mean, they would say, you know, Pellegrini and Mancini won the yeah. league. You know, it's, a, it's almost anyone can do it with this team. You know, it's overstating it, but I mean, he, he does need to be successful in Europe. And as as a Bayern, this team has had a rocky spell in, you know, at this time of year in the spring, just at the point where great teams mm. really begin to exert the dominance. Mm. What about Liverpool? How close are they to them? That's one of the most fascinating questions for, for next season because obviously it's self-evident on a one-off basis they're there, they've, they've found a formula, not maybe the formula because maybe only Liverpool are set up to play exactly that way but they've found a formula that works for them against City. Whether they can sustain that effort over, over a season, whether they can 
put away the weaker opposition in the way City have done so relentlessly, I think that, that, that that's a big if at the moment because you know Liverpool vary in their performance level quite significantly from game to game, where City don't. But with a few more decent signings, the way Klopp's developed this team is really impressive, and if he keeps developing it, um, I wouldn't say next season, but keep it together, maybe maybe in a couple of years. Mm. Reminds me that? a little bit, yeah. Reminds me a little bit of the uh, Liverpool and United in the eighties. Yeah. United's win all the all the battles. Liverpool's yeah. win all the wars, and you can see Liverpool in in, in the individual games. You know, given given City a, 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 a tough afternoon or a night, and uh, maybe winning them, but you can't see them sustaining it over the course of a season. And they've got much better. I mean, the the, the defence since Van Dijk arrived yeah. has been you know so much better, and they've got solid full backs for the first time in in a long time. Uh, the midfield needs upgrading. Yeah. If 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 they're going to challenge City, and I and think another central defender presumably. Well, I, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think you know. So if um, yeah, probably I was going to say Lovren should be good enough, but he's prone to mental lapses. You know, he always seems to be on the edge of an emotional chasm mm. that only takes a little nudge. To Usually, there's good peace with him. Yeah, yeah and uh, if you don't mind me saying, no, thank you, man. Um, <laughs> uh, and he came across as quite a thoughtful and also quite a vulnerable yes. individual. I think he's very sensitive, very emotional fellow. Tony's right. I think that sums him up quite well. Um, Klopp also nurtures that. I mean, I think one of the interesting things to come out of speaking to him was Klopp wants to have a centre-half that is in this kind of heightened state of passion because he needs somebody to get on the front foot and try and win the ball early. That's, that's key to counter-pressing. He can't have two Van Dykes sort of cruising around at mm. the back. So, uh, the, the, and, and when the problem that Lovren's got is when he, when he goes, he goes. You know, it's like the England batting order, he collapses. <laughs> but... Generally, generally this season, I think he's probably only had two or three really, you know, problematic, problematic games, and he's had a lot of really good ones. What they what they need is Tim to, to either cut those, you know, dreadful moments out, or just to get an upgrade. But a similar player, a similar, a kind of killer, if you like, a guy that's going to try and win the ball. You know, Sammy Hippier was a very emotional yeah. player as well, and very very sensitive in that way. You know, they're not all brutes. I mean, although no. I do like me centre halves to be brutes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, let's look at the the opposite of the brute, you know, the beauty at the other end of the pitch, the Fab Three. Um, Mo, Sal Mo Salah, 40 goals. We're pretty much running out of things to say about him, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you just got to say, who saw it coming? Yeah. And, you know, no one did. Although, oh, I always say, to be fair to Liverpool, they tried to get him in 2014, yeah. in January 2014. They were very keen on him. He probably wasn't ready to play in the Premier League at that stage. Uh, of his development, but he's come at the right time and he's fantastic. And I think the thing about the Liverpool front three that perhaps they don't get enough credit for, although you know you say that everyone's giving them credit, is the work rate. They work really hard mm. and they do close people down. You compare them pressing the City's defence to Tottenham's on Saturday night, and Tottenham's are a bit lackadaisical. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah we'll yeah, get the, yeah. the three of them at woof, yeah. right on you. Mm. Well, the thing I think is really exceptional about Salah, which is what all the great players have is his picture of the game, his, his vision of the game is fantastic. And he scored a header at the weekend. Yeah. Who'd have thought he'd scored a header? Well, it which reminds was me of, angles, wasn't of, it? of um, Dalgleish for Scotland against yeah. Wales at Anfield. Yeah. Mm. Or, or but it was, it was a fantastic ball in, wasn't it? Lovely ball in, yeah. fabulous uh, ball Alexander in. Alexander-Arnold. But 
yeah, as you say, he needs, he's probably, they always say about Messi, don't they, that Messi has about 150 pitches in his head when yeah. the ball's coming to him, mm. where the ordinary mortal, the ordinary pro, has about four or five. Mm -hmm. Salah might have 15. Yeah, but yeah. Mm. That flicked Heger. Just knew where everything was, didn't he? Yeah. Knew the angles, knew the pace of the ball. That is, that is vision. And a lot of his goals, they look easy. But he's the one that's on the move when everyone else is standing still. Mm. He's the one reacting, anticipating where the ball's going to finish up. Yeah. What about Firmino? Because he, he, he impresses me. Doesn't, uh, you know, he's got 25 goals, but if you look at the way the intelligence of his work, the rotation, mm. the way he, almost in a Barcelona mm. style, enables other people to, to, do, to do their best, Maybe we should be paying a bit more attention to him. His awareness of space is unbelievable. You know, he's, he's just fantastic. And, um, he, you know, his movements never lets defenders settle. He's, he's, just, uh, he's just a pleasure to watch. When he was playing up there as a sort of, as a, as a false nine, it, it didn't really work. But in this, in this three, threesome, it's brilliant. And you've got to say, uh, Mane as well, who has subverted his own game mm. for the for mm. for the uh, for the team, really. Mm. You know, switching sides when it suits other people. Um, and again, the runner needs us off the ball. I think, I, I think they're very good. You do worry if one of them picks up an injury, where that leaves them because... It's a drop-off, isn't it? Yeah, you take one of them out of the equation and, you know, so the, it, it just ruins the balance. Mm. You're a... On the night shift on Saturday, mm. the Tottenham Tottenham game, um, because of the events of the weekend, does it make it more important than ever for Tottenham to win a trophy this season? You know, looking ahead to the FA Cup semi final against United. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I was really disappointed in, in Spurs at, at the weekend. I thought it was another big game where a combination of maybe lacking the belief that they could do it because um, they didn't have the intensity Liverpool played City against. Um, Maybe a slight lack of class in certain areas, and certainly I was disappointed in Pochettino, who just tried the same thing that he's done before against City, and with had the same results. Didn't try and change things in the game. Just seemed to be quite resigned about the whole the whole day. I do. I, I know. I don't want to. There's a nuance for Spurs. It's not that they have to win a trophy to be a good team. They are a good team. Mm. Pochettino has done a good job, but there is a next level to go to, and if they don't see that on Saturday, if they don't see the importance of that game and attack it properly and, and do something maybe a little bit different, because Mourinho has plenty of ideas how to counteract Spurs, I do think they need to win it. I do think they need to win that FA Cup. Mm. And do they need to play Alderweireld? There's an element here of, you know, cutting your nose off to spite your face, isn't there? Oh yeah, I mean, he's always been like that Pochettino, when he falls out with a player, he's classic old style, ignore them. You know, not even look at them, you know, and it's um, and I think it, it, it it's a mistake, you know, he's because he's a top class. Well, they're allowing business yeah. to become personal, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, without a doubt, and um, and you know, you do have sympathy on both sides for it because Tottenham do underpay the players, and you can see why you know why they they go into this, but you need to get them in that team. And the other thing he needs to do with his defence, when you're playing teams like City, I just couldn't understand why he pushed his defenders up and they, they sat on the yeah. halfway line and left all that space in behind them. You know, it's a, it, it was just too easy for City. You know, adapt. I mean, put, put, uh, Guardiola dropped his defenders off yeah. slightly, so they, they would, they, you know, so Tottenham didn't have the room behind them. And um, th there's a stubbornness about Pochettino that sometimes I think is a negative. He was actually fortunate if Vertonghen had a really good game because he yeah. bailed Sanchez out 
two or three times. He was Could caught been... quite regularly, wasn't he, Sanchez? Well, yeah, every every time, same ball, you know, in, in behind him in the channel, wasn't looking. And as I say, I mean, Lloris made a couple of saves as well. It could have been far, far worse. Sterling, if he'd taken his chances, he'd have been looking at a 5-1 for City there. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, Johnny, that Mourinho will have something up his sleeve. Mm -hmm. He needs to produce something, doesn't he? Well, he does, because, you know, I mean, it, it's all right saying, you know, finish second, the second best team to City. But they've not really come anywhere near <laughs> the potential have they this year and, and there was just a the, there's just an unpleasant mood around Old Trafford yeah. there's no one's no one's happy no one's no one's comfortable no one's free, you know the, the, the team doesn't seem to have a shape and it hasn't had a shape all year it, it, it's been most unlike a Mourinho team at times and um, he's, he's still not found a way to get the best out of Pogba and it, it's just United are vulnerable, and, and although Mourinho will have mm -hmm. a great sense of Tottenham's weaknesses, um, they are in the position where if Tottenham, what surprised me about Tottenham against City is Tottenham's tempo was was not up at the beginning. When they beat Liverpool and they beat United, yeah. it was very, very, very fast, very quick, up and at them. And I think you know United need to be wary of that because if Tottenham do go after them, they could be in trouble. This United team, yeah. it's all very well for Mourinho to say, I know how to win and try and blame the players. But surely, isn't it a manager's job yeah. to actually get the best out of his players? Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and if a team... You know, is up and down in terms of performance, like like it was, and well, it's his job to to get the attitude right, get the get the mentality right, make sure. That was abject, wasn't it? Against yeah, it was, it, it, it was. They were so slow. They were so kind of, you know, this, this is almost, they they showed that they didn't think the game really counted. Yeah. That it was almost beneath them. Is that a bit modern footballerish? No, I think actually, I think probably modern footballers working harder than ever mm. uh, and they're good managers have got them on at every game you know you look not just City but you look at Liverpool you look at Burnley there's there's plenty of examples of that it might be the modern superstar footballer mm. and there's a lot of superstars at United and that's a problem and they're funnily enough for a team that's 18 points or 16 points behind the the champions there's, there's more ego at that club mm. among, among I thought it was really interesting that, that you know when they had the the dressing room meltdown against City yeah. it was Ashley Young who stood up? Someone who's been there a long time. He's a survivor, but he's not a superstar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's it, it, and they need more people like yeah, that in do. the team. You know, they, they need a bit of character. And the the and the thing that's surprised me all season, in fact, and, and to a certain extent last year, the thing that always characterised Mourinho's teams is how quick they were on the transitions. Yeah. When they got the ball, boom, it's a ping forwards, and everyone a go. And United, when they get the ball, it's it's plodding. And it's you, you, you look at the players there, and they're underperforming mm. for what they should be doing. You know, they should be much closer to City. Mm. I, I do think that the thing that's held them back the most, funnily enough, is, has been their defence. I, I might sound counterintuitive, but the way Mourinho plays is always to be so solid at the back, mm. um, and then just try and pick off teams. And, and because his, his defenders, particularly central defence, just haven't been the level that he's used to working with. I think he's, he that that brings out the caution in him. Then he drops everyone back. Mm. Then he then he's conservative. And he, if he signs better defenders, we might just. See it's interesting. Him. He's been linked with Harry Maguire, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, although he's much more of a Pep Guardiola defender for me because he he comes out with the ball. 
and I, I'm not sure if, if, if Josie, if he does sign him, if he's actually going to want him to to do that. Um, but a good player. Yeah, I mean, Terry used the ball really well. Beautifully, yeah. Yeah, didn't, so, I mean, he didn't walk out with it, did he? No, he didn't come no, in the midfield. You know, he he, mm. he passes up as soon yeah. as he got it. You know. Yeah. But if you if you had to make a choice between United and, uh, and and Spurs, who would you be picking at the moment? I think it's got to be Tottenham. I think Tottenham have more more weapons and they're more coherent through most of the season than United. And I think they'll take a great deal of um, positivity for the way they beat them at Wembley last time. Mm, agree with that? I think Tottenham should win and I think United will win. Just everything about Pochettino and Mourinho so far tells us that. Yeah. No, well, well, I think it's even going to be even yeah. more Tottenham than, than that. I think they'll beat United and then lose to Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I saw Chelsea on Saturday at Southampton, you know, which is obviously going to be replayed in the FA Cup semi-final on Sunday. They turned up for 15 minutes, and that's all I needed to do. And it was it was a typical recent Chelsea performance: smug, quite indolent. You know, Murata was running around like a toddler. Even Hazard was like some sort of sport at a lesson for about an hour. What do you make of what's going on at Chelsea? Well, we've seen this before from them, and it happens because continually the manager's authority gets taken away from him. So when you do that with a group of players, then they, they do behave like that. It's like the teacher being you know, the, the supply teacher rather than the, the real thing. That, that, that's, that's what happens, and you've got players there that that want to leave, or, uh, or at least are very much exploring the prospect, Maratta included, I think, hasn't enjoyed the Premier League. Probably Hazard will push for a transfer for, to, to Real Madrid. Um, and the, the, I think this has been Chelsea's problem for, for, for a decade, getting the same esprit de corps that, that, that other really, really good sides have. I know, I know they keep winning, I know they sack managers and then win. I think they'd have won more if they'd been able to establish something lasting in the dressing room there. Without a doubt, one of the things, when, when they were certain managers, in the immediate post-Mourinho area, the first era, the first time, it was a dressing room full of big characters and mm. full of leaders, and now they're not there, and yeah. the manager's got no authority, so who's going to lead? No one's going to lead. I do feel sorry for Hazard, though. You know, he arrived in 2012, if he do, this is his fifth manager. Yeah. I'm taking a Chelsea manager being someone who's, who was there for more than four or five months. You know, this, this is the fifth. Each one of them thought he played differently. A couple of them didn't really fancy him. Um, and, you know, so, so how is this fellow who could be the best player in the world in the, the post-Messi era? That's what we were told it was going to happen. How is he ever going to get himself into a coherent playing well, style? Let's try, let's try and get uh, the reality behind all that hype. If you look at him at the moment, is he of the qualities, is Hazard of the quality that Real Madrid would go for? No, well, really, actually, he's got the quality. Where he hasn't got, he's got the mindset. Mm. He's a very, he, you know, he's, he's very... Laid back. Yeah, he's laid back, he's nice, he's that. You know, to go to Real Madrid and to fill, presumably, Cristiano Ronaldo's results, boots, you've got to be, like... Focus. You've got to be ambitious. You've got to be vain. And Hazard's none of those things. Mm. You know, he, to, for that role, he'd have to carry Madrid. He he would be the centre of attention, and he's not equipped for it. Mm. What about Gareth Bale? That's while we're on on the subject of Madrid, he's becoming increasingly marginalised at yeah. Madrid. Would you expect to see him back here? Yeah, would. You can't go on like that. Um, his confidence looks like it's it's gone. Um, Watched them in, in the Champions League in midweek and 
didn't look like the Gareth Bale that you know we've seen playing with such personality for Real and and, and Wales over the last four or five years. Um, and he, he was he was always someone that was going to come back sooner rather than later because of his his, his personality and he's quite a home bird. He's got a problem though because he, he's going to cost a lot of money and he's on he's on high wages. And, and Manchester United, the club that had looked at him for so long. I don't think they they yeah, need him. Saying, no, they don't they? need him anymore. Yeah, yeah. So where's he going to go? That, 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 that's the issue with him. Would it be Spurs? Mm. Like um, Spurs. Have we seen the best of them? That's Maybe. the other thing. Injuries, yeah. Yeah, injuries, and um, and certainly uh, he hasn't developed in the last couple of years mm. like he could have. Mm. And I think any team taking him on would be taking a big gamble. Mm-hmm. Chelsea playing Southampton. You know, having seen them as I said on Saturday. They're down, as far as I'm concerned. You know the way they, the, the yeah, way they lost more than anything else. Um, what's going on there? It's almost a paradox, isn't it? Because here's a club which is everyone says quite rightly it's really well run financially and strategically, but this bunch of players have just yeah. sleptwalk into the championship. Yeah, is it is it well run strategically when they they sell so many players? I understand what you're saying, Mike, because they've got this great model where the, the the academy brings through players and they 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 sign in a kind of moneyball way and sell on. But there has to be a that's there's a slight risk in that strategy. There has to be a balance. You have you've got to keep enough good players and you've got to make sure you develop enough good ones to keep the whole sort of circle going. And I don't think the players that have come through in the last five years have quite been. In fact, there's not been anything like the standard of the Bales sure. and the, yeah. the Oxley Chamberlains and the Walcotts. And they've sold probably one or two too many to Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and the signings haven't quite been good enough. So the, the model is really good, but I don't think they've, they've worked it properly over the last couple of seasons. And, and that has caught up with them. Mm. And a poor managerial appointment as well. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I think there was... I mean, some of us were saying way back when everyone was lauding them and saying this is the way you look forward and, you know, um, you sort of buy cheap, sell high, you replace yeah. them with people who are as good, if not better. There, there was an awful lot of luck involved and you couldn't sustain that forever. It's going to catch up with you. And it's caught up with them this season. And I, I saw them back in September for the first time. And I come out and I said to someone who was with me, I said, they're going down, you know. Yeah. no. And I was just like, I couldn't believe how bad they were. Mm. I couldn't believe how, how directionless they were. They've drifted, you know, at, at, at the club, uh, in, in, from senior management in the boardroom, uh, to the managers, to the players on the pitch. Mm. And they've just drifted downwards. Mm. It, what, what I found most significant was that when Chelsea got back to 2-1, it was complete rabbit, rabbits in the headlight job. They just, no communication, therefore there were b- bigger spaces, they switched off at free kicks. It was a team which basically was waiting to, yeah. waiting to die. Yeah, they've got used to losing, haven't they? Is that about 20 games without a, a victory? Uh, oh, they, they've had one guy, I think it's one win against West Brom, yeah. which until Man United yeah. turned out was a gimme, <laughs> yeah. uh, in 20 games. Yeah, yeah that's it. They, 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 are, they are a sort of... Almost, yeah, they're, they're downtrodden now, aren't they? They've, they've had that kind of whatever they had knocked out of them. Mm. West Brom are a good comparison because until maybe finding that they're relegated and that freeing them mentally, they were very much the same. Actually, like Southampton, not getting beaten by a lot in games, but just finding a way to get beaten somehow mm. by the odd goal or whatever. Mm. Finding a way to get beaten brings us on nicely to, to <laughs> Arsenal. You know, it's astonishing that you know, in professional football, they're still the only club you know, to do nothing, literally nothing away from home this year. Mm. Um, 
where are we with them? Because I know we, you know, we talk endlessly about Wenger <laughs> and Tony. the lack of character. <laughs> Is there anything new we can say about them? <laughs> well, I, I, I admire their unwavering commitment to give even really bad teams chances. <laughs> I, think it's, I, I think it's admirable, you know, and it's entertaining uh, in, in, in the most teeth grinding of way uh, ways. Um, Arsenal, they, it's it's been a, a terrible season. It's been a shambolic season. Um, they won't win the the Europa League. Uh, you think they'll get beat by Atletico? Yes, and I think um, I think Wenger will. There'll be clamour for him to go, or he'll stay another year, and um, and there'll be more of the same. And it's just it, it's 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 ridiculous. They're trying to put an infrastructure in there too late for to, for the post Wenger world, mm. but Wenger's not having it. You know, he's um, so you've also got like internal struggles there, and they're just limping along. And I don't think anyone's brave enough to sack Wenger this I, summer. I heard him talking after the game, and he, he he sort of said in a really kind of casual manner, "Oh, we, we lack defensive stability today." You know, as if he was just remarking on the weather, <laughs> as if he hadn't been there for twenty-one years. Yeah. You know, supposedly working on the stability of the team. Yeah, so that was like today. Well, yeah, <laughs> oh, just today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of, you know, uh, very kind things said about uh, Rafa Benitez after that win. You know, he's done remarkably well with very little at Newcastle. I think probably most people would agree with that. Can I ask you a question I probably asked on this programme maybe three or four months ago? Mm. Whether Rafa Benitez is the perfect transitional manager for Arsenal? Well, they could do a lot worse. I mean, mm. he'd organise them, and because uh, the players, the players aren't that bad. I mean, you look at Bellerin, who should yeah. be one of the best right backs in Europe. You know, up and down the field, and he, he's he's been a shambles this year. He's been terrible, and um, yeah, but Benitez had come in, and what he'd do is he'd take control of everything. He would, you know, he's, he's a, he can be a bit, um, he can micromanage a bit too much at times, but that's where Arsenal need now, and they need someone to coach those players. You, you look at Dr. Lee Chamberlain, the way he's thriving at uh, Anfield, and you start looking around the Arsenal team and going, yeah. oh, Aaron Ramsey, I wonder where he'd be like under, yeah. oh, I, Klopp yeah. maybe, oh, yeah. you know, even, even Jack Wilshire, oh, you know, you wonder if, you yeah. know, Bellerin, what, and you start thinking like that, and they've all, they've all stagnated under Wenger. Yeah. And this stagnation is spreading to the club. It's deepening every year. And everyone's just sitting there watching us happen. Well, come on. Mm. The car crash has been unfolding in slow motion mm. for more than half a decade. Someone's got to act and put the brakes on. So if we're looking at manager of the year, Pep's an obvious choice. Mm -hmm. uh, some people are piping up for Rafa, quite optimistically, probably. I'm still tempted to give it to Sean Dyche, simply... Mm. You've got Burnley, who are going to be in Europe next season, to all intents and purposes. That's an unbelievable achievement. It is unbelievable. And they'll beat Chelsea this week. And they could, they could finish above Arsenal. That would be would so just funny. Be, that would be, be just... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's such a difficult one. I think we've had this conversation before, and I, and I, I could stick with Pep Guardiola simply because we're going to remember the City team mm. forever, probably. This is, this is a fabulous thing that we're watching. But any other year... What Sean Dyche has done is is absolutely extraordinary, and I mean Rafa always used to to sort of make the point when people were comparing him and Mourinho that actually the best manager might be someone that's working with far fewer resources than us. Mm. We don't know what challenges they've got. It's not necessarily the guys at the top clubs, and Sean Dyche rather sort of proves that point because could you know could Pep Guardiola do with Burnley what Sean Dyche has 
done? Probably not. Could Sean Dyche do with Man City what Guardiola does? Probably not. But it's an, it, for, for, for what he's got, he's, he, you know, it's not just that he couldn't be doing any better. He's, he's doing better than better. It's just amazing. Mm. So where's his natural next stepping off point? Well, that's a good question because he won't be considered for any of the top jobs. Mm. I mean, you'd think the second-level clubs, the likes of West Ham and the likes of Everton, if the you know the the yeah. vacancies this summer would look at him. But again, I think they, I think both those clubs would look for someone they they'd see as more glamorous, which is mm. you know which is a bit daft. It, it's it's hard to see. Where he goes from here, mm. and um, you know, and and arguably the, the best performing manager in the league this season, and you can't see a job. I mean, they never think of him for Arsenal. You know, it's mm. it, it's impossible. And, you know, in Chelsea, Chelsea's coming up. Um, you know, they wouldn't think of him in a million years. So, mm. where where does he go? Perhaps they should start. If we pretty much assume relegation now is is getting to be cut and dried, let's look at the team coming up, Wolves which, to be honest, has been a Premier League side in the Championship all season. You know, there's, there's half a dozen players there who are sort of top ten material. What about Wolves, the way they've done it with, with the influence of, of Jorge Mendes? Is it a game-changer? Yeah, could be. Um, it's, it's a model. But it's not actually a new model. I remember it being tried in Scotland, I'm not going to go into specifics, probably for legal reasons, but I remember <laughs> an agent trying to do the same thing with Airdrie years ago. Airdrie? Airdrie. Yeah, the idea was, it was a much more humble idea, but the, the idea was that he could, he could sign some players, some cheap players from France and Spain, put them to Airdrie and then sell them on to the old firm and it kind of worked for him. Um, th th there's a, there's a, uh, something that's uncomfortable about the Wolves experiment. But I was thinking about this, I'm also a bit uncomfortable about about Watford, I'm a bit uncomfortable about Manchester City, I'm a bit uncomfortable about the same agent's influence at Manchester United. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 I think there's a lot to, that's left to be desired about modern football. I'm uncomfortable at PSG. So... Mm. <laughs> Neymar know. couldn't even be yeah. bothered to turn up for them winning the well, French League on Sunday everything. night. You know, and they, and they beat their closest challengers 7-1 and what does it all mean and they're rubbish in the Champions League and, you know, it's, it, it's a... It's a state vanity project there's a lot that's wrong about the way the modern game works and I guess this is the, the next development isn't it the, the, mm. the Wolves factor well certainly I've, I, you know, I've heard of some agents going to clubs now and basically saying look you know, we'll look after you strategically you want a manager we'll get you a manager how many players do you want an agent as director of football it, it's wrong and, and one of the things that you know, needs to be sorted out is agents who work for players, work for clubs yeah. at the same time, yeah. work for the buying club, the selling club, and the player. I think and that's the, going to be dealt with, actually. It's got to be dealt with. Because, you know, it, it, it's just... It, it, you know, in, in any other business, they're being caught. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, Pep Guardiola's brother's an agent and part owns a football club who mm. Manchester City sign, send players to. So, you know, we've started off this programme loving Manchester City, but the game's so kind of you know, uh, compromised with, with, with all this stuff that's going on. Mm, mm. We had a lot of um, a reaction from the, the listeners and viewers, so if we don't get around to your question, I apologise. Um, let's start off with some liverpool theme questions, if I may. Um, Harry Marcus, do you think Jurgen Klopp would leave Liverpool for Madrid in the summer? No, I don't. I think, I think he's... Liverpool's got him by the guts, by the, the heart. 
Um, and I think he's unusual as a manager that he, he, he that's how he lives his life. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily be. I think also think he's just too smart to go to Real Madrid because how long how long do you last? I think he's there at Liverpool for a few years. No possibility. Yeah. Okay, Paul McArdle. Um, in what areas do Liverpool need to strengthen and who would the panel recommend they buy to be competitive for the league title next season? Well, I mean, that's a difficult question because, you know, we, you can all say, do they, oh, you know, it's, um, you know, this, this player or that player, you know, oh, Messi, if you get Messi in, they'll be, mm. and, you know, the, the, the reality is uh, um, they, they need to go and look for, they need to go and look for, I think the main thing, they need to strengthen the midfield. Obviously, your creator coming in, so that'll make a difference and he'll, he'll provide them with more thrust mm. from the midfield. But I think they need a midfielder or two who are more mobile then they, are, uh, they probably still need a goalkeeper um, and cover at least, yeah. but probably uh, they, they also need a, a centre-half to, to add to the squad in case Lovren does fall off their emotional cliff again. Mm. Yeah, Roma are saying that they're not going to let Alisson go, aren't they? The other goalkeeper yeah. who's everyone's probably going to have a look at. Yeah, and, and do you pay £60 million for a goalkeeper? I'm not sure you... You do if you're Liverpool. You do if you're Man City because it doesn't matter. Um, well, the, the money started all these goalkeeping yeah. problems yeah. because Reina was on a hundred grand a week, and uh, and basically they didn't think they should be paying a goalkeeper that, so they shipped around and bought Mignolet on figuring mm. that they pay him two thirds less, mm. and you wouldn't get two thirds drop off. That turns out well, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Asim Rasib, how closer, if at all, would Liverpool have been to Man City? if they had signed Virgil van Dijk in the summer? Oh, undoubtedly a lot closer because that's manifest, the improvement he's brought. And, you know, we've talked about Lovren. That's, that's been a big factor in, in his sort of strong uh, second half of the season. Um, I, you know, again, ifs and buts, whether they'd, they'd, they'd be close enough to challenge him, I I'm, I'm still think they're short in other areas. But it's been a tremendous signing, not just not just on the pitch, but it's been one that's influenced everybody off it. Mm. I, I think they'd be closer to United. Mm. Not really that close to City. Mm. Mm. In terms, uh, one just a simple one from um, a mutual friend, Martin Booth, who says, who wins the Prem next season? Manchester City. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Mm. OK. Short question, short answer. Uh, a personal side of the hit, Craig Griffiths. Who makes the championship playoffs and who goes up from them? Oh, wow. Well, I, I, I think Cardiff will do it automatically now. So you're looking at the probably the four that are there at the moment. Uh, I, 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 know, I know you're waiting, but I do think Millwall have got a really good chance, a really good chance, because you can see Fulham falling short and then being deflated. We've seen it so many times with those teams before. Um, Derby looked like they're flatlining wouldn't count out Villa though either. Mm. I could see Millwall because they've got the momentum or Villa because of their nows. Mm. What about Middlesbrough with the Pulis effect? Mm. No, I, I, I think it's, I, I agree with Jonathan that they see uh, the, the four now. I, I, I think if Kearney's on during the playoffs, if he's on anywhere near his top form, I think Fulham come up. Right. I'd love to see Millwall going up, not because of obvious personal reasons, but the FA, the 
blind panic that they would go into. It would be fantastic <laughs> and, to watch. Saturday night kickoffs I, in Millwall? I, I, I think we'd all love it to see It kicks off every Saturday night in Millwall. <laughs> I, I, I think we'd all love to see them come up. Millwall in the Premier League, yeah. you know, sort of this this bloated, this self-regarding and a, a, a little bit, you know, egotistical league and suddenly Millwall... You know, so it lands in there. It brings the game back down to earth, if you ask me. Yeah, well, there'll be no plastic flags anyway, I know that. <laughs> um, just the final one, I want, want to look at a, what is actually a serious subject. Um, referees, whether they deserve more protection, um, you know, in the light of the, the Buffon-Michael Oliver saga with, you know, the referee's family being abused, police investigations, and then the fallout on the local park. Do we need to be a bit more protective of our refs? We absolutely do. And, and, and you're right to frame the question that way because we need to look at it at both ends. Um, I love Buffon as a player for what he represents, but I've lost so much respect for him over the last week. And if UEFA don't come down really hard on him, I know it's, he's at the end of his career, so a ban might be a little bit meaningless, but I think they have to do it symbolically for what he said as well as much as what he did on the pitch the lack of respect and the way that's fueled social media against Michael Oliver and his family is a disgrace but you can't forget either the guys that are going out being trying to be referees at Sunday league level or whatever I think Oliver Kay in the Times had a great piece with mm. a fellow that was beaten up in the I think it was the Staffordshire League or something like that um, so it has to happen at both ends we have to take this more seriously yeah, you know, I mean, and, and Buffon's logic, you know, the, the sense of entitlement, the sense of, you know, what, 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 you know, me, it's like, you know, so the, 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 uh, this was the climax to my career and the comeback was so good. Yeah. That you, should, you know what? The referee got the decision it's right. Okay. Oliver got the decision right and, and he got sent off right. Buffoon pushed him, you know, sends him off and he should, you know, all right, he's retired, but he, he, he deserves a, a long ban just to send a message out. Yeah. And if it happens to a player who is actually going to continue playing, ban them forever. I, 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 I say, I just, the, the whole, uh, 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 I, I don't like, uh, the one of those clubs I don't like, among the many clubs I don't like, <laughs> because they have a great sense of, a great sense of like, you know, we, we should, everything should be bow down to us. And it was just, it's horrible. And the game won't work without referees. And um, I, I think, we, we need to protect them, but we need to protect them by the authorities mm. stepping up and making sure anyone who's involved in abuse, uh, uh, you know, pays for it. But secondly, I think we've got to look at, at things like, not, not a VAR, because all that's going to do is change the nature of the controversies. There's always going to be controversies. I think we've got to accept that at the game, at the pace it's played at, it's going, it's going to be difficult for a human being to referee, and there will be mistakes, and you know what? Get over it. You're an adult. It's a game. Yeah, and the thing about the Michael Oliver decision, mm. he knew the magnitude of that decision instinctively. That yeah. takes an awful lot of almost moral courage to make that decision. Yeah. He's a young referee and he's just got to that top UEFA list. It was a huge, huge moment for him. I, I got enormous respect for how he handled it in that moment. He was so calm and how he's handled it since. And he's a really good ref, Michael Oliver. Mm. Well, we've all been guilty of having a go at referees. Hands up, I had a pop at Mike Dean on Saturday. I know it's a cliche, but maybe we should all remember that without a referee, there's no game. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.